0: Welcome to this week's bonus episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting edge information. In this episode, Associate Editor, Dr. Helen Heslop discusses the How I Treat series on emergent CAR T-cell toxicities with authors, Dr. Fabiana Perma, Dr. Natalie Grover, and Dr. Narlee Shah. I'm Helen Heslop, I'm at Baylor College of Medicine, and I'm also an Associate Editor of Blood. If you go back to 2017, when the first two commercial CAR T-cell products were approved, at that stage, the FDA felt that because of some of the toxicity that had been seen in the registration trials, specifically cytokine release syndrome, or CRS, and immune cell-associated neurological syndrome, or ICANs, that these cell therapies required risk evaluation, management strategies or REMS for the centres that were going to be administering them. So at that time, a number of societies and groups developed guidelines for management of toxicity and also grading systems for toxicity. Since then, there have been four other commercial CAR T-cell products approved, and also there's continuing extensive research in this area with many investigational products in the clinic. I think a number of investigators have really developed significant expertise in the management of the complications that we see, and there have also been some new complications identified. ASH has a subcommittee that I think my three other speakers are on called the Emerging Cell and Gene Therapy Subcommittee. And this group felt it was timely to really develop some updated guidelines on how to treat these complications, and they fit very nicely into a How I Treat series. We were trying to provide a series of articles that would give clinicians caring for these patients really an updated view from experts on how they're currently managing some of the complications we see how they're identifying some new complications, and then really updated management for some of the complications that were identified during the initial registration trials. I think there are also areas for further research. Um, I think we can still do better in the future, and I think the authors have also done a very good job identifying opportunities for future development. There were four articles, and this was really based on discussions in this ASH subcommittee. The first article was How I Treat Refractory CRS and ICANNs Following CAR T-Cell Therapy. Nirali Shah is one of the authors, along with Michael Jane and Melody Smith. And this um, article really updates experience on how to treat these two common complications. The second article really focused on more unique and difficult to manage cases of CAR-associated neurotoxicity. And many of these have been identified with, I think, the development of BCMA CARS, which have a slightly different toxicity profile to CD19 cuts. Dr. Perner was one of the authors on that article, along with Drs. Santimoso and Goost. The third article, which Natalie Grover is representing, is how I approach optimization of patients at risk of cardiac and pulmonary complications. Her co-authors were Dr. Gutierrez and Nelin. And I think this article reflects the fact that as these products have moved into the real world, we're treating patients who have more comorbidities than those who received the investigational products and the registration trials. And I think that's important for giving more access to these therapies, which have um, beneficial effects. And I think you'll probably hear from Natalie that with careful management, you can get very similar outcomes in these higher risk patients. The last article by Drs. Jane Olson and Locke addressed the issue of cytopenias after CAR T-cell therapy, which I think has been increasingly recognized as a significant complication that can occur in up to 30 to 40% of recipients. And they provided an update on the current feelings about etiology and suggested management strategies. I think it was very advantageous for this series that the overall themes was developed by the ASH Committee on Emerging Cell Therapies because they put a lot of thought into what were the most topical areas where updates were needed. So as an editor, it was much easier for me than it usually is where I had to come up with a rationale and assemble the talks. The heavy lifting was really done by this particular ASH Subcommittee. And I thought they developed a very thoughtful series.
1: My name is Fabiana Perna from Indiana University. Neurological complications are very common after CAR cell therapy. And uh, current guidelines describe a series of neurological features that fall into the definition of immune effector cell-associated neurotoxicity syndrome, also called ICANs. However, more rare complications are generally not described in current guidelines. And as the number of targets that are being used for CAR T cell therapies, as well as novel indications for CAR T cell therapies, providers all over the world are starting to observe some emerging and rare complications that do not follow the commonly described definitions. And therefore, we thought that by gathering a group of experts, including neurologists who are commonly called to see patients undergoing this type of complications, we could provide awareness towards this type of rare events and also provide some clinical guidance. Specifically, some of these complications remain unclear in terms of what are the events that trigger such events. Some of them might be dependent on an effect that is called on target of a tumor effect, which means that the CAR T cells can recognize cells expressing a specific molecule that is not specifically expressed on the tumor. And if that target is expressed in some of the new neural cells that may cause uh, neural toxicity. Some other effects are independent on this uh, target uh, expression in the brain or in the neurological system, and uh, might be dependent on the CAR construct, uh, on the breakdown of the blood-brain barrier, and cause uh, some uh, fatal um, events, as well as uh, some minor complications that, however, may not resolve with the commonly used uh, strategies. And so we gather some examples of uh, some of these uh, complications that we have observed, including cerebral edema or delayed toxicity, for instance, uh, the icons that develops even six months after the car infusions. And we provide some examples on how to best treat these uh, unusual complications. We believe that the best way in the long term to continue collecting these cases and eventually lead a critical number of unique cases may serve to develop more official guidelines that can help the clinical management of neurological complications the unique aspect of this uh, effort by the subcommittee is really to not only engage uh, hematologists with the CAR-T cell therapy expertise but actually also neurologists, cardiologists, so colleagues with different type of expertise who become very precious in contributing and understanding how to best manage these patients. Again, not only this is a multidisciplinary effort that is important for the best care of these patients, but it's also important to gather this expertise in order to be able to collect over time as many uh, cases as possible, acquire uh, information about these patients and eventually give back to providers and patients themselves with the best directions. Eventually, we believe that this is opening up new venues for translational research because this is an understudied area where it is important to understand how these events are triggered, how we can improve current CAR T cell therapies to enhance efficacy and safety. It is important to uh, collect as many cases as possible on these emerging and uh, unusual complications of CAR cell therapies in order to develop guidelines and also to expand the new venues of translational research that uh, can help understanding how these events are triggered, what are the molecular mechanisms underpinning these events, and eventually improve and enhance efficacy of these novel therapies as well as minimizing the toxicities of uh, these uh, therapeutics. As new clinical trials are launched, it is important to carefully evaluate the expression profile of novel targets. Most experiments, actually most preclinical data, are focused on looking at the differential expression of these molecules between the tumor cells compared to the normal cells. But instead, it becomes very important to have a comprehensive and systematic annotation of the expression profile of these targets across a large number of normal tissues in order to predict potential toxicities. So for instance, in the manuscripts, we described the BCMA-dependent toxicity in the basal ganglia, which may lead to some cases of Parkinsonism, or for instance, a very successful most recent trial targeting a molecule called the GPRC5D in multiple myeloma that in rare cases led to unusual cerebellar toxicities because, this molecule is also expressed in the medulla oblongata. And so this could be one takeaway. The second is really to report and uh, collect as many uh, data as possible. And we also, as a committee, we included uh, CAR-T cell toxicities in the consult colleague platform of blood, which gather experts that are available to provide their expertise in uh, managing these antibiotics. Uh, usual complications. I would say perhaps safety starts by selecting the right targets. As we said at the beginning, novel targets are entering the clinical arena and novel indications. So it is very important to carefully select molecules with an expression profile that may lead to tolerable toxicity. And secondly, probably to let experts from different fields contribute and trying to basically have a more broadened approach to this type of therapies that are not only related basically to the blood system. I'm Natalie Grover, and I'm at the University of North
2: Carolina at Chapel Hill. CAR T-cells have really changed how we care patients with heme malignancies. And as you know, many products have been FDA-approved recently, and also more approvals for new indications, including moving this treatment to earlier lines of therapy as more patients are being considered for this therapy, there are more questions arising about how to assess the candidacy of patients and also care for these patients. The trials for most of these products had more strict eligibility criteria, but of course, many of the patients that we see in clinic may not have met the criteria for trial and may have more comorbidities. So, The question of how to optimize these patients with pulmonary and cardiac comorbidities, how to assess their candidacies so they can receive these potentially life saving therapies, and also manage these patients if they experience toxicities during treatment is really critical and important. Our article approaches how to evaluate patients in terms of both their cardiac and pulmonary comorbidities and their conditions prior to CAR T cell therapy, and also management of patients who are at higher risk who develop complications post-treatment. And as more of these products are being approved and available, it's also important for physicians who are referring patients for CAR T-cell therapy to understand how to evaluate these patients and which patients are candidates for this therapy and also how to mitigate their risks. Also on this article, I had the privilege of collaborating with Dr. Tom Nealon and Dr. Christina Gutierrez, who are Cardiologist and pulmonary critical care physician, who are both very experienced um, with taking care of CAR T cell patients from the perspective of the consultant. In terms of CAR T cell patients, it appears that patients with comorbidities, including cardiac and pulmonary disease, appear to have similar outcomes to that that was seen when on the clinical trials where there was more stringent criteria. In terms of the pre-treatment evaluations, the patient's overall functional status is the most important factor when assessing candidacy, and we generally don't recommend delaying treatment to optimize patients from a cardiac and pulmonary standpoint if a patient is well compensated, especially if they have aggressive disease. The majority of cardiac and pulmonary complications occur in the setting of cytokine release syndrome. So early treatment of cytokine release syndrome is key in these high-risk patients, a pretreatment evaluation should include assessing risk factors for cytokine release syndrome, including disease burden, and being aware of the risk profile for CAR T cell products being used. And then finally, with appropriate treatment, most cardiopulmonary adverse events appear to be reversible with lower rates of long term complications. It's important to work closely with cardiology, pulmonology, and critical care in the management of these patients and with supportive care if they develop complications. The biggest thing is that we still need prospective studies to further evaluate the cardiopulmonary effects of CAR T-cell therapy and evaluate outcomes of these high-risk patients. There's further studies needed on the role of biomarkers, both for risk stratifications before treatment and post-treatment and when toxicities develop. And also as new therapies and products are being evaluated, other risk profiles and toxicities may emerge as well, including potentially with novel targets, potentially
3: some off-tumor on-target toxicities. My name is Nirali Shell. I'm in the Pediatric Oncology Branch at the Intramural Program of the National Cancer Institute really focused on trying to think about what happens when you've done your first-line strategies for treatment of cytokine release syndrome and ICANs, and your patient is continuing to have progressive symptoms. And I think that's where, you know, the current guidelines that are in existence and developed by multiple societies, you know, where the evidence is really lacking. And so it's really challenging you as a bedside clinician to say, well, we've already given tocilizumab, we've already given that first dose of steroids, but this patient is continuing to have ongoing problems and how do we best manage that? And I think for us, in the in terms of you know thinking about emergent toxicities, we really wanted to try to address that aspect of progressive inflammatory response despite first line therapies as an unmet need with cytokine release syndrome and, and with I can's as well. Um, you know, when patients have an inflammatory response, it really involves sort of the whole body, and so some of the complications that we're thinking about is, you know, what what is the impact of having worsening cytopenias, which again is a separate topic in and of itself, but what happens to the coagulation system? What is happening to them overall, and how does that affect you know hematology and their parameters? And so our goal was to try to explore this through three separate cases, you know, thinking through an elderly patient and what that would possibly look like, a pediatric age patient, and what we think about in those particular scenarios just as illustrative examples of how we start to personalize this personalized therapy even further when their toxicity profile sort of is either extended or continues to progress. While we focused primarily on unique management considerations for some of the more established CAR T-cell products, namely the CD19 CAR T-cells, I'd like to echo what Dr. Perna said earlier, is that, you know, as we develop novel CAR T-cells, the cytokine release syndrome and ICANN's profiles are not going to be fully well known. And I think that we always have to be mindful about where is the data coming from, Where was that experience, and how can we apply that to this new setting, and in terms of optimizing a patient's particular outcomes? In terms of our article, we also spent some time focusing on supportive care measures that are particularly critical in terms of optimizing not only the immediate toxicity in the short term, but then what is the impact in the long term, and how can we think about early referrals for rehabilitation? trying to decrease the systemic steroids so that it, there aren't some of the longer-term toxicities. And I think that we have to be really mindful of that. Um, and then lastly, I think that we really tried to highlight that when somebody's case is not responding as you would expect, you have to keep a broad differential. So other factors, is there a new infection? Is there something else that has changed in the patient that you need to be mindful? And so really sort of falling back on your general pediatrics and your medicine knowledge to say, well, we need to think about a broad differential to make sure that we're not missing something. Because as we think about treating their inflammatory toxicities, we're also increasing their immune suppression, which introduces its own risk. I think one of the biggest things is really in terms of thinking about some of these alternative pharmacotherapies that potentially can be used to target direct cytokines. I think that right now, most experiences at the level of case reports single center experiences, a case series using drugs to target interfering gamma, yet drugs to target IL-1. I think over time, I really look forward to seeing data from prospective studies that are going to be testing some of these to see if we can really understand how to use some of these therapies and optimize overall outcomes.
0: I think a common theme hearing you all talk is that more research is needed to better define the etiology of these complications so we can better guide treatment. Could I maybe ask each of you to let me know what you think an important area of research is with respect to your particular how I treat?
1: I would think about two big areas. One is more in the clinical space, where as we speak, we are trying to build a repository where we can. Uh, put in the same place all these resources available on these emerging and complicated Toxicities so that we can not only use these manuscripts but also additional resources from other societies like the CIBMTR, for instance, or the American Society for Cell Engine Therapy, and so create a comprehensive and integrated platform that can be of use uh, for clinicians and scientists, and also a place where any provider, any member of the Ash General membership can actually contribute and uh, expand the pool of these uh, complicated toxicities so that we can have a better understanding of what's happening with uh, so many diverse car constructs and uh, indications on the more experimental level perhaps i am biased because i work on target discovery strategies but i do think that there is a need of understanding of identifying novel targets some of them as you know are tumor associated antigens. So these are molecules that are highly expressed on the tumor. However, they, at some extent, they are still expressed on normal tissues. And therefore, perhaps combinatorial strategies might help minimizing the toxicity compared to tumor-specific antigens, which instead uh, might be either derived from mutated areas of the genome, like conventional new antigens, or perhaps from alternative mechanisms like alternative RNA splicing or epigenetics. So in that respect, there is a a large effort in trying to improve these therapies uh, to minimize toxicity, but also trying to understand what are the mechanisms underlying this type of events. Are they specifically dependent on the target expression or there are other factors as we believe that contribute to these events?
3: Thank you, Fabiana. Uh, Nerali? For me, I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges is really going to be how we start to learn to use some of these alternate therapies that are available for the treatment of uh, cytokine release syndrome and ICANs and really being able to get some data. You know, I think everybody's familiar with the story of how tocilizumab started to be used. You know, we didn't really have a lot. There is a patient at Children's Hospital Philadelphia. He was doing very poorly, and IL 6 levels are elevated. But I think that as we've become smarter and wiser, I think really being able to do prospective clinical trials in terms of optimizing efficacy regarding toxicity is going to be important. The second part of it is also the impact on car efficacy and making sure that we really understand if it's going to have a deleterious effect on overall outcomes. And so I think those are probably the two biggest areas combined with the emerging role of preemptive therapy. We used to not give TOSI until patients were very sick, and now it's starting to evolve. We're we're giving it with the first onset of cytokine release syndrome, and where is that pendulum going to shift? And I think that becomes particularly challenging to do when you have really a brand new car and you don't really know much about it. In
2: terms of thinking about cardiac and pulmonary, both optimization and toxicities. I'd like to echo of what Dr. Perna had said about getting more information kind of from larger databases as we, because I know many different institutions are getting experience treating some of these patients who have both, who are the highest risk from a cardiac and pulmonary standpoint and having more information about these patients' short-term and long-term outcomes with CAR T cell therapy. In addition, I think kind of what Dr. Shaw said right now as well, for these patients who are potentially at the highest risk when they do get cytokine release syndrome for complications, more prospective studies looking at potentially prophylaxis or for CRS to really reduce their risk of getting some of these
0: complications as well. So Natalie, do you maybe treat patients who've got comorbidities earlier than you might treat other patients?
2: Yes, yeah, so we do treat patients who are, with comorbidities. We treat our toxicities earlier in general than we do other patients. And I think the other part is looking at biomarkers in terms of assessing patients' risk for complications as well.
0: So I think everyone's concluded that we do need more research. I'd like to thank all the authors of these How I Treats for their insights today, I think one of the things you've heard is that there is the need for more research to better define these conditions so we can optimize treatments. But I also think that these four How I Treats provide a state-of-the-art snapshot of how we do evaluate and treat these complications in 2023. And I'd like to invite all the audience to read the full articles, which I think will be very helpful as they care for these complex patients in the clinic. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Blood Podcast. To read these articles, visit bloodjournal.org. This episode is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology.